In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Can we really open our Bibles, everybody? Open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to read a long question. Please follow me in your own Bibles. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness of the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you. Because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts, the Lord says, are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy, that's what the world will produce, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Said, instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the mitle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Thus says the Lord. Preserve justice and do righteousness. I'm in 56 now. I want to break somewhere. For my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and choose what pleases me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial, and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, and to love the name of the Lord. To be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath, 
and hold fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain, and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, and my house will be called the house of prayer for all the peoples. The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, Yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. The Lord is good. Can we declare the word of understanding as we begin to study? Let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Can you turn to three people and just tell the person, congratulations, wisdom is your portion. Understanding has come to you. Turn to somebody else, tell the person, understanding has come to you today in the name of Jesus. Alright, once you have done the three, you can take your seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Alright, let's continue today. We are look, we've been looking at the fact that our help is in the Word of God. And one of the things we have been seeing is the fact that um, we are supposed to pay attention to that word as in worship. In that Deuteronomy chapter 4, which we've read um, previous times, Moses explained to the people that, listen, when God met with you that day on the mountain, the only thing you really encountered was the voice. So as people will make image of animals, as people will make image of gods, you put that same effort into putting attention to the word of God. Everything you need in life is inside God's word. You understand that? Then I now went ahead to explain that what is that God's word actually? And there are two words. We have our Bible in two segments. What they call the Old Testament, which is actually not a correct word for it. What the Old Covenant is, is that which was enacted on Mount Sinai through Moses with Israel. Do you understand? And that one came to an end when Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is finished. That one actually finished then. The compilation of the books that you have from Genesis to Malachi is never called the Old Testament in reality. Jesus called it the apostles. Everybody called it the law and the prophets. The only other name you may find used for it is the law and the prophets and the Psalms. But the Psalms often come under the prophets also. So you find it's called the law and the prophets. It is not the Old Testament. So when you pick in your Bible, you just say, okay, open to the Old Testament. You really cannot open to the Old Testament. The Old Testament was an arrangement between two people, between God and Israel. What you have is the law and the prophets. Now, emphasis now on the prophets. The prophets, Paul told us in Romans chapter 1, to, to Israel, of course, he said later, was committed the oracles of God. But in Romans chapter 1, he told us that this gospel, the prophets prophesied it at that time. And then Peter told us in First Peter chapter 1, which we read last time. I was going to read it today, but there's no point. We can easily refer to it in our private time. In that First Peter chapter 1, Peter explained that these prophets, when they would be speaking, they were speaking things concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus. He said they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. I'll say something about that sufferings of Christ a little more today. But they spoke about the sufferings of Christ 
and the glories to follow. And that when they were saying those things, they did not understand what they were saying. Please, let's get it clear. They did not understand what they were saying. If the things they were saying were so literal in its accomplishment, why would they not understand? I don't know whether you get my point here. They didn't understand what they were saying. He said, then the Holy Spirit ministered to them. Let's just open to it so I can quote things correctly. The Holy Spirit ministered to them that they were not speaking for themselves. They were speaking for people that will come later. He said, the Spirit of Christ that was pushing them to speak. They wanted to know what exactly are we talking about. In verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 1, he said, they were, he said let me start from verse 10. As to this salvation, this thing that God has prepared for you, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that will come to you made careful searches and inquiries. They were really trying to understand, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted, that is that spirit, the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. And in verse 12 we read that it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, the believer in Christ Jesus, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which even angels long to look. Now, what am I trying to say here? That is the blessings, that's what we're trying to explain, that God prepared for you. Those were the things that the prophets spoke about. So, because I've read, I've listened to messages, read books, heard people teach, and they try to explain that when you are reading it, they always tend to target everything towards the natural Israel. They want to explain to you that this has been fulfilled in natural Israel. They want to explain to you that this will be fulfilled in natural Israel. Sometimes it's like that. Now, let me just say this. There are two levels in which you look at fulfillment a lot of times, okay? But I don't want to bother with the level that's not my business. Some things may appear to have been fulfilled physically. For example, he said, out of Egypt I have called my son. And yet Israel actually literally came out of Egypt. But that was not the fulfillment. It was when Jesus came out of Egypt that was the real fulfillment. Are you getting my point? A voice is heard in Rema. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what was the name of the woman that was crying for her son? Is it Rachel? Uh-huh. Because they were not. Okay. Now, that could have happened that time. Do you understand? The Babylonians could have come to come and, you know, you know, destroy the village and kill people there. But that fulfillment did not happen really until Jesus came later. Do you get my point? So that's something you have to bear in mind. When you're interpreting what you call, okay, let's say, when you're interpreting the prophets, you can never get the real meaning of what they are saying except you look at it through Christ Jesus. Once you, are, you can't find how to use the decoding you know, algorithm, which is Christ Jesus, if you can't fit it in and bring out what is there, your interpretation is presumptive, your interpretation is inaccurate, your interpretation is partial. We'll give two examples. Number one, Jesus said, I will break this temple down and three days I will raise it up again. The disciples told us later, the apostles, that when people heard it, they looked at the physical temple, the structure that was there, made of stones, and they said, how can you raise a new one in three days? And they told us that they did not know when he spoke about the temple, he wasn't talking about the temple physical that they could see. He was talking about his body. Do you follow? 
you know, I've been listening to one particular message. I, I said this one before. Let me just say that now. Not tell the message I was listening to. When he said to Nathan, through Nathan, he said to David, I will raise your, your son. Your son will come and build me a temple. David assumed Solomon will build God a temple. So he went about it the carnal way, the fleshly way, the way of the man of limited understanding. He began to raise money. Who will give one million? <laughs> Who will give ten million? We need to put down fifty billion naira so that by the time Solomon is ready, he will have money to build. Who will give a hundred thousand? He said, hey, wait, for you was I building, uh, giving. I have by myself given. I sold my investment in Guarantee Trust Bank, in Dangote Cement, <laughs> Dangote Refinery. The one I had in Nigeria breweries, I liquidated everything. Now I gathered everything. The money I had stored up before BVN, inadequacy, will have it liquidated. I collected everything. You know, even my whistleblower. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have packaged everything. And it has come to a lot of money. I sold my house in Ikoi. I sold the one in Maitama. The one in LMA Road, Portacot. I sold everything for the building of this temple. So who will follow my example? And everybody began to give. And they raised a lot of money. And Solomon too, in a fleshly and carnal way, took the money and built a building. And the Lord was bored. Can you see my face? That's what the Lord they do that day. And everybody was gyrating. We have built a temple. Say, you know the problem with you people? Idolatry. You have seen the temple of Dagon. Yes. It's impressing you. You have seen the the temple of Ashtoreth. It's impressing you. The Syrians have their temple. The Moabites have their temple. And you are just not satisfied with this, this small tent and box I gave you. She says, our God is bigger. Our church must be bigger. So God looked at them like this. They finished building. No, that's what Solomon said. He went and prayed. Lord, when we face this place, hear us. I said, no worry, I will hear you. He said, if it was not the will of God, why was he hearing them? God, you know, he's very kind. He's very, very kind. There was a time they said, want to divorce our wife. So, okay, okay, give them, give them certificate and let them go. And Jesus said, in the beginning, it was not so. I understand that that temple wasn't God's idea. Just had to draw one for them. See, we must build. Okay, okay, okay. If you must build, this is how it will be. He gave it to them. They built it. So he looked for one stick and held it. I said, Michael, we are going to show them that this thing is not important. Anytime they sin, break it. So once they finish sinning like this, Michael, you know, he and some angels, they like to play golf. <laughs> Boom! They used the temple to play golf. They kept on breaking it. It didn't impress God. It didn't impress them. The angels said this thing. You know, God does not come into a house made with human hands. Though. All these things people are making. It's you people that like it like that. Though. He's just tolerating these things. Say, so what was he saying really? Uh-uh. We read later in the book of Hebrews that when he said I will be a father to him, he was talking about Jesus Christ. I thought I was listening to a message. And the preacher was analyzing, actually David Paulson, he was analyzing Hebrews um, Psalm 2, one of the Psalms I actually like also. And he said, he showed how the Psalm came to be. It was because David was a king among kings, and he was a king over other kings. And he was, you know, in his mind, what will happen after I will have gone? So that one, all of this, it was being written as if it were for Solomon. As if this thing were going to apply to Solomon, but actually it was not Solomon. 
Later on, we found Jesus interpret those things. And he made it clear he was talking about Jesus, he was not talking about Solomon. When he said, kiss the son, the son, lest he be angry, and you perish out of the way. It wasn't Solomon he was talking about. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. He was speaking about Jesus. His resurrection was said to be a confirmation of that word. No matter how much it looked like Solomon, it was not Solomon. Are you getting my point? So we've been establishing that. Let's get it clear. So anytime you pick your Bible, what they call the Old Testament, which we call now the law and the prophets, that's what Jesus called, called it, you must understand that you must look closely. You must look closely inside it to find what pertains to the Lord Jesus. And what pertains to Jesus, uh-huh, that's another part of it, belongs to who? Belongs to us, the believers in Christ. That's why I said that the, the prophets were not serving themselves. They, were not, they didn't even say they were serving Jesus. They were serving who? You. That's what Peter said. So anytime we find deliverance in the law and the prophets, it belongs to us. We claim it. We accept it. Let me say something about the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. The, they are the, that is the major suffering of our lives. Normally, if you read the Bible, it will tell you that once I was angry with you, and then I took my eyes away. Now I will not take my eye away from you anymore. You know the time he was angry? When was it? When Jesus was on the cross. It was for your sin, yes. Then Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. Let me tell you something there. Life is not fair. Many people are looking at that. God will punish them. <laughs> God is looking at you. Me? I'm not going to punish them. Why? I will only punish them if they don't accept that I have punished Jesus already for them. Yes. I don't know whether you get my point. So many people, their sins will not find them out. So don't worry. Don't be waiting. Their sin will not find them out. Do you know why? Because if before their sin finds them out, the Holy Spirit helps them to see that their sins have already found them out in Christ Jesus. And they say, Lord, I give you my life. You'll be waiting for them to die for their sin. You know, go die. Say, life is not fair. God says, should we make it fair? If you mistakenly say yes, then you will die. <laughs> Because the soul that sinned, it shall what? Die. The soul that sinned, it shall die. And know if God were to number iniquity, who will stand? Don't focus on other people. Focus on yourself. You have been forgiven. Somebody told that your sin will find you out. I came to tell you today, it won't find you out. Your sin has been forgotten. Then you ask God, say, look at what this girl did. God said, who? This girl. Okay, yes, I saw what she did. She believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. She, uh, all the evil. You? When did you do the evil? Say, Lord, have you forgotten? Say, I can't remember. You know, God forgets. He does. His own forgetting is not lapse of memory. It's an erasing of memory. There's a difference between lapse and a wiping. <laughs> he formats his own hard disk. He said, do you want to send to recycle bin? He said, no, I'm not recycling it. How many of us know how to use a computer? When you want to send something to a recycle bin, when you want to delete something, the computer will ask you. Well, before Windows 10, with the older computers will ask you, do you want to send to recycle bin? If you say yes, it goes to the recycle bin, waiting for you to recollect it. You can tell it, no, jump the recycle bin. You know that one is possible. Those of you who don't know, you know how to do that. When you want to, call, when you want to press delete, press shift first. Uh, you are not God, amen? Not a press shift, though. <laughs> I'm just advising you. <laughs> you are not the judge of the whole world. You may need to recycle some things. <laughs> anyway, the Lord doesn't use it. That's what I'm making. He wipes. When he wipes, he deletes and cleans. 
you have to deliberately start committing again. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Your sin is not, is not one of those things that will find you out unless you have not believed. In Christ Jesus, when you believe, what the just is, okay, we are going to punish this boy for all his sins. God says, yes. We are going to punish him seriously. So Roman soldiers, flog him on the cross. Nail him to the cross. Beat him. Make sure he dies. That's what happens to every sinner. They die with Christ. They are buried with him. And then on the third day, they rise up again with him. And they say, hey, we have need dealing with him. Where is he now? He's now in Christ Jesus. He's free. Did you punish for his sin? Most certainly. Yes. That's why I said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away that sin. Eh? It's, not just the, it's not just not the bad nature, but all the punishment that the whole world was supposed to collect. Anybody that's still collecting his own has refused to believe. I hope you're getting my point. Don't let Satan sell anything to you where you want to pray. Don't let sell anything to you that you see. The reason why you are suffering is because of your iniquity. That is a lie. Because if that was the case, then what Jesus died for? Are you getting my point? It cannot be. I have been forgiven. I said there are three reasons why Christians have problems. One, trials of their faith. Ignorance is number one. Trials of their faith. Number three is when they now get up and now start doing what is wrong. But as per past wrongs, no. It's called forgiveness. I hope you're getting my point. Forgiveness is not I have forgotten, no. Forgiveness is that we have paid. So it's a legal transaction. You can't pay for your sins because that will be called double jeopardy in law. How many of you know enough law to know double jeopardy? Yes. You know, you can't punish somebody. You can't even try somebody for the same offense twice. How much more punishing for the same offense two times? Do you get my point? You can't. You can't, it's that way. You, you can't punish him and punish him again. Say, okay, send this man to jail. He goes to jail. Two years later, he comes out. Say, what was that for? It was for stealing money. It's all right. Send him back there again. Why? I'm not happy yet. There's nothing like that. Once that is done with that, he's done with that. He's gone. You can't punish him a second time. And the way it is, the punishment of Jesus is seen as the believer, not believer now, every human being in this world being punished. The only people that still take their own punishment are those who refuse to appropriate that thing by faith. So the believer in Christ has, been, has already been punished for his sins, for her sins, on the cross. That's why God cannot do it again. It's not just like he's nice. It's just that he can't. I don't know whether you're getting the point. It's not like, I'm, okay, I'm, he's my son, I like him, let me not punish him. No, he has to punish sin. God does not overlook sin. I hope you know that. He doesn't, he can't. That would be unjust. It's like going to court and stand before a judge. He finds you guilty. Ah! He said, okay, Moody, is that not you? Your father was my classmate in secondary school. Don't go home. <laughs> guilty. Father, classmate, go home. Are you getting my point? That's unjust. In the same manner, God does not ever... The, the sin of Adam, the punishment was there for it. Even when you say you are sorry, punishment is there for it. So forgiveness with God is not okay... Ah, this guy is good, though. I like him. Don't just forget it. No. Every time there is transgression, every time there is iniquity, he stores up the judgment. He stores up the judgment. The judgment has to be, has to be satisfied. It has to be dispensed of. Some, it has to be, I mean, it has to be done. Let me do it like Judgment must be done. So forgiveness with God, that's how it is. So it's not that I've forgotten. No. It's that the judgment has been paid 
full penalty paid. And that's what Jesus came to do. And Jesus paid for the sins committed before he came and committed by, by the people who will come after him. All of them, you see, in, in spiritual things, time works differently. That's why I don't believe when people tell me God cannot change the past. I've heard that some of the preachers I, l- I listen to them, they say that, you know, when something is past, God can't do anything about it. They don't know the God I'm dealing with. If I show it's good, it's good you don't know that yet, so you can have something to discover later. If you know everything, now, what will we discover later? God changes the past. That one I am sure of. I don't doubt it. You can't say, how can he do it? Me too, I don't know. But that he can do it, that one I'm sure of. I don't want to discuss it now. There are many ways. But can he change the past? Trust me, he can. And there are so many pasts that have changed in your life, you don't even remember. Because it's so changed, you have forgotten. There are things that, as far as you are concerned, never happened. You don't know they have happened. But one day, he just wiped, literally wiped. Wiped it away. You know that human beings, the Bible says that God can do anything far beyond whatever we can imagine, right? Far beyond. I like one thing, one man of God said years ago when I was um, a house officer. So anything that a man has ever imagined, it means it's too small for God to do. Do you get my point? Now, do you know human beings have imagined wiping people's memories so that they will forget the past? That means it's too small for God to do. God can wipe everybody's memory, and that means never, you know, he corrects everything, wipes everybody's memory, wipes his own personal memory, everybody. <laughs> and if something is not in God's memory, it never happened. Because he's God. Tell you the truth. Look, you know, this is deep. You know, in spiritual things, time is interesting, the way it works. Even Albert Einstein got to that level. Albert Einstein understood that time is a physical quantity, like weight. This is what I understand about it. This is God. Hmm? On this, my table is the universe. And time is running like this on the table. So I'm looking at the time, I'm looking at it. I can put my slider back. So, today, yesterday, and tomorrow, they're all in front of me at the same time. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's what I understand about God. That's why he's the, when he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, there are different ways to understand. You can see that he does not change. <laughs> no, but it also means that yesterday, today, and forever, they're all the same in front of you, looking at them like that. Look at yesterday, look at today, look at forever. Yes. That's what God is like. So when Jesus is dying, he has collected all these sins from yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and put everything inside him. So that's why he is called the, 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 the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. I don't know where I get my point. Yes. Yeah, nobody has sinned. Why was he slain that time? Know the reality? That death on the cross is effective from behind to, to, to tomorrow. Believe me, it's, it's, it's deeper than most of us understand. When God forgives, it's not, just, it's not a personal favor. It is that has been paid. Are, are you getting my point? As me, I'm owing somebody money. I'm owing Chooks money. And the Okimuti goes there and pays. And I come and say, Chooks, that's your money. And I say, don't worry about it. You know, I will go if I don't know anything. He says, I like Chooks. He's a very nice guy. 20 million naira. I said, I should not worry about it. I wish we had more Nigerians like this. 
when in reality Jesus has gone to meet him and giving him his money. Are you getting my point? Yes. Okay, but Christ has gone there giving him his money. So when I come, I say, don't worry about it. The guy likes his money. It's just that Okemote has paid. That's how God is. He's just. That's why he can't tell you don't worry about it. It's called judgment, justice. It's called justice. He can't say don't worry about it. He cannot. If he does, who? I mean, you don't understand. Sin is a, is, is, is a is radiant energy. It's poison. It's a substance. You listen to the air. Who's going to pay? Who's going to clean it? So when he says don't worry about it, it doesn't mean let's just manage the dirty environment. It means somebody has come to clean it. And that's why he's a, you know, the, 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 the blood of Jesus is like this. It's a one and for all sacrifice. That's why it's like that. Because it covers time. You know, you may think Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Actually, Jesus didn't die 2,000 years ago. Jesus died ago. I don't know the time. Because right now, he's still dying. Are you getting my point? By the time of David, he was dying. In the time of Adam, he was already dying. In the time of my grandchildren, he's still, in quote, dying. He dies on the cross for you the day you discover it. I don't know where I get my point. That's how it is. That's why it's a once and for all sacrifice. That once is a, it's a constant once. It's always there. It's when you turn to look, you see it working in your behalf. That's why many people who didn't know, they were in bondage. Africans were in bondage for a very long time, and they are still in bondage till now. You know, they are still in bondage because of lack of revelation. It's not because Jesus hasn't died. Are you getting my point? Because that, the death is only relevant when you discover how relevant it is to you. So for many people, Jesus has not died yet. You understand what I'm trying to say? They have not heard the gospel. They have not believed. So Satan has lordship. Sin has dominion over them. As if Jesus hasn't died. Why? The gospel hasn't been preached to them. And they have not received that gospel and believed in the death of Jesus. So it will appear as if Satan is cheating them for 2,000 years. No. Satan is not cheating them for 2,000 years. Hasn't cheated them at all. You are the one cheating them, me and you, who have not yet gone to preach the gospel. The moment they discover it, in their life, Jesus is suddenly on the cross, suddenly being buried. They are being buried with him. The three days happen in three spiritual seconds. I don't know how long that would be physically. They suddenly, in the process of believing, they are, they are, they've entered the grave, three days is over, they are up with him, and their sins are forgiven. That's how it works. Again, the principle. And the glories of Christ now become their own. I hope I'm saying, making, doesn't have to make sense. Just believe it. Just say amen if you believe it. Amen. So I feel like saying to somebody, you have been thoroughly forgiven. Amen. You have been seriously forgiven. Amen. You have been severely forgiven. Amen. You have been forgivingly forgiven. Amen. Yes, God has, you know, God has, you know, for God so loved the world. This was how God showed his love for you. That's it. After Jesus died, he's not doing you any favor anymore. That's why they say, you know, when, you, when they talk about it, a grace being unmerited favor. Apostle, what do you think of that tight unmerited favor? 
you get as it be. It is cheating grace. You are denying grace its true meaning. It's not a merited favor like that. I am it's not of your work, so are you getting my point? But stop calling it on favor as if like hey, God just doing me a favor. He doesn't have to do it all. Bros, he has to do it all. He has collected the money. I don't know whether you are getting my point. He has collected the money. Jesus has paid. So it's not as if, you know, it's just grace. It's unmerited favor. Hmm. That unmerited thing is, is that Jesus is the one that paid. But it's not as if the favor has not been paid for. Say, so God, you see, you don't have to do what you are doing. Eh, you have to do what you are doing. Not, not, not you don't have to. Ah, when Jesus was paid, you were collecting. No, no, say you go, you go, say to. You're getting the logic there. That's how it works. He determined like that. They don't say, Pastor Bang, why are you so arrogant? It's not my fault. I read it in his book, not my book. I, I, didn't, I was not the one that wrote the book. You know, that, you, you get my point. It was written before I was born. I just bought my copy as I was growing up. Are you getting my point? He wrote it like that, so there's no arrogance in it. In fact, he likes the way I'm talking. He likes it like that. Say, so this guy understands what's going on. He, know, he knows what's going down. What is grace? Paul defined it as the power of God made available to those who believe. I hope you're getting my point. That's how Paul defined grace. That's how he defined grace. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. What is my grace? My power that is made perfect in your weakness. That's how he defined grace. He said it has to be by faith that it might be in accordance with grace. If you read that prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, he prayed for us, all right, that God will help us to understand the power that works towards those who believe. Are you getting my point here? Look, the, the problem with grace, what we don't understand is they think is there, you know, you, you don't deserve it by your works. That's what I'm just going to emphasize. Payment was made for it. And that payment was made by who? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes it free for you. It's not cheap. It's not, it's not free in itself. It's paid for. It's who paid that's the issue. So if you say you are succeeding by grace, it means that you are succeeding because Jesus died on the cross. That's the meaning. It doesn't mean that I'm just succeeding. I don't know what's going on. Hey, now, wow. Hey, it's grace. No. Grace, sometimes, what we mean in our minds is, is, is luck. It's chance. Chance walking favorably towards me. That's what we call grace when we talk like that. But that's not what grace means. If you say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What that means is that God made power available to me because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And that's why he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what grace means. Grace means that what I am doing is because Jesus paid for it. Not because I worked hard. As you mean I have a PhD. I got it from Harvard. I know Dangote. I know Otedola. I know Basanjo. I know the current head of state. I know everybody. And I'm doing business. Big international business. Worth billions of dollars. And I say, how are you doing it? And I say, ah, it's by the grace of God. What, I, what that means is that forget my Harvard PhD. Forget my connection with all these men I've mentioned. Forget it. What I'm experiencing is a power of God made manifest in my life. That's the meaning of the word grace. That's what it means. So somebody tell you, if you tell you, say, look, how are you doing? Say, ah, is it by the grace of God. It means anything you see physically, forget it. The words were framed by the word of God. So that what you see is not out of the things that do appear. Not out of things that are visible. So if I tell you it's by the grace of God, it means that God released a power. What you are seeing, God may have used some of them. But I know, you're, you're telling the story just now. Somebody saw Stella Obasanjo and said, okay, see me in the office next week. She died that week. I, I hope you know that happens all the time. 
Oh, it happens all the time. It's not a unique story. It happens all the time. There are people that say, ah, you are still rejoicing. This is our man in power. You don't know that case is in court. <laughs> One of my friends, <laughs> they do big business. Finally, they got a deal with Nigerian police. Serious. Budget, everything was in order. Next week, we are going to Abuja. They was to sign paper. And work starts. And they tune TV on Sunday. Both them and the child were watching the same program that he has been removed. <laughs> Do you get what I'm to say? They worked on the deal, everything. Say, ah, this one, now our guy. We know this man. The man had agreed for the massive project. And they just go house. So. That's what television. <laughs> <laughs> IG was former IG by Monday. <laughs> and in case you don't know, all your, former, all your deals are former. <laughs> all the people you know, they are former people. The new IG will look at the paper and say, what is this project all about? You put it in the dustbin. <laughs> That's how life is. So what we say, we are succeeding by the grace of God. What we are saying is not the physical connections. Is that, that Jesus has made something available? Are you getting my point here? And let me say something about that grace again. It means that my sins can't stop it. My sins of the past it can't. It can't. Let me tell you the problem with sin. Hmm? It's insincerity. Because when people want to give God time, like I was sin for ten days, you forget, you forgive on day eleven. That one, eh? you know what it's called. If you have to confess that sin, you have to first confess the sin of mocking God. Assuming you were stealing. So I was still for 10 days. You forgive me on day 11. God is not going to forgive you of stealing. In fact, that's no, stealing is no longer your sin. Your sin is now worse than stealing. Your sin is now that of mocking God. That one is a horrible sin. So if you can confess that one, don't worry, you didn't, your sins of stealing was not even recorded. It's too small. You are committing a killing of this. Are you getting my point? Your sin is horrible. A lot of people like that. That's why they can't collect forgiveness. You know why? They are not serious. Because this guy is not repenting. He hasn't repented. He's a clown. He's a joker. He's testing me. I'll kill him for breakfast. I'll give two apprentice angels. They do beat this guy for the fun of it. I will punish him very well. It's a sin of mockery. That's why I believe that. Let me tell you the truth. You don't mock God. Though. Don't joke with him. So that when I finish after one week, he will forgive on the seventh day, on the eighth day. We shall sin for six days. Year for seven, we shall be in iniquity. On the eighth day, thou shalt forgive. Say, no problem. I'm waiting. Otherwise, listen. God forgives. When people come to realization of truth, and the Holy Spirit calls them, and they repent. If forgive so seriously, people will be angry. Yes, you know, there's a way God will forgive somebody. Your neighbors will be angry. Say, Lord, what kind of thing is this? You think righteousness was easy those days? <laughs> <laughs> what the righteousness we did? Me and this will not be on the same level. If you're having that kind of thought, I want to ask, I want to just tell you, warn you now. That's how you won't prosper in life. Oh. 
Don't laugh. I'm telling you very seriously. It's called pride. It's called flesh. Which other word can I use for it now? It's called wickedness. 